Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, I'm so glad that you're joining me today. I'm really excited about uh, what's going to happen in our lives as we get into God's Word. We get God's Word into our lives so we can get it out of our lives into the world around us. And we're journeying through the, the book of Acts. We're looking at the acts of uh, the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is doing through the church as the gospel is so quickly spreading and, um, and, and how that can happen in, through us today. And so uh, I wonder how many of you have you, um, did you enjoy the, the sitcom Seinfeld? That was back in the day, that was must-see TV and uh, still, still holds up in, in my opinion, it's still funny. But there was one scene that I remember where Elaine, she was dating a guy named Putty, and Putty uh, had some kind of, uh, you know, in the story, he had some kind of Christian faith. And there's this one scene I wanted to show you uh, that kind of, it's, it's a little um, shocking, I suppose, but, uh, but I want you to check it out and see their interaction and what happens. Watch what happens here. So where do you want to eat? Feels like an Arby's night. Arby's beef and cheese and... Do you believe in God? Yes. Oh. Oh, you're pretty religious. I try. So is it a problem that I'm not really religious? Not for me. Why not? I'm not the one going to hell. Okay, so you know that that can be our attitude sometimes. Sometimes we we can think, well, that's not my problem. Is the is the the um, faith, the the eternity of the people that we love, does it really matter to us? And or, or is our attitude kind of like putties, like like, hey, I, this is not my problem. Well, actually, it is your problem. In fact. Uh, it's what God has called us to do to make sure that people know uh, know about Jesus, who He is, and how they can be saved. By the way, just as a side note, you know, some people try uh, missionary dating. That's the idea that I'm going to uh, date, or uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be with a non-Christian person in order to help them come to faith in Jesus. And oh, if I just date them, that they'll you know they'll come to faith in Jesus. Rarely does it work out that way, okay? Yes, we need to have friends who are non-Christians that we're influencing, but when you get involved romantically with somebody, your your feel your feels start getting in there, and it can cause more damage um, 
and and you know actually it can lead you in the wrong direction. So don't I don't advise missionary dating, but I do advise missionary living. So what we're seeing today as we're looking in Acts chapter 17 starting in verse 1, we're going to be going from 1 to 15. We're going to look at these six powerful words that really describe uh, what we do when we witness to the people around us and how through that we can turn our world that is upside down. How can we turn it right side up? And what we see here is that after Paul and company leave Philippi, they go about 90 to 100 miles toward Thessalonica. And this is where the setting of what happens next. So in verse 1, it says that when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Um, So wherever Paul went, he was telling people about Jesus. He was influencing people. And we see this as Paul passed through um, Amphipolis and, and Apollonia, which was in the district of uh, Illyricum. And, and Paul said that the whole way he was preaching the good news of Jesus. In Rome, we see this in Romans 15, 19. It says, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, uh, I have faithfully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus. So he was all the time, you know, he was always on, he was always on mission. And uh, he didn't miss a chance. He never missed an opportunity to reach out to the people around him who desperately needed to know Jesus. And it's interesting that you know he goes to the goes to the Jewish synagogue, and it shows that Paul always had a strategy or a plan. And uh, he he was approaching this in a very wise way. You know, there's a way to approach it that 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 uh, will not not be effective. There's more effective ways to approach winning people to Jesus. And, and he would start by reaching out to people who were already familiar with the the Old Testament scripture. He would go to the Jews. He would go to the God-fearing uh, Gentiles. And uh, one major reason that we very rarely see um, you know, fruit or see people come to know Jesus is because we don't plan to reach out. We don't plan to witness. And if you fail, uh, if you if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail, right? Uh, and so some sometimes we excuse it by saying, well, you know, having a strategy that's not spiritual. That's not spiritual, but it actually is. It's spiritual to to uh, think through what is going to win, what is going to be the most effective. And we need to plan it by intentionally placing ourselves in situations where we're around people who need Jesus. Uh, and, and there's many places that you're going to go uh, where, where you know there's going to be people that you can reach out to. And so you think about that. You think about, hey, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to the grocery store. You know, I'm going to, to school. I'm going to these different environments and there are going to be people there for me to connect with. And, and then you begin to look for those open doors of opportunity. Okay. And, uh, and then you begin to lead the conversation in a way that you're talking about actually things that matter, spiritual issues and, and get to the eventually, you know, and, and, and as quickly as you can, you get to the, to the point, which is 
sharing the message of Jesus. Now, there are some wrong ways that sometimes people try to uh, evangelize. Uh, one way would be through a method of coercion. Okay, that would be like trying to impose uh, Christianity on other people. You can't do that. You can influence, but you can't twist arms. Uh, or manipulation is another way that sometimes uh, people will try to uh, to stir stir up emotions or to uh, even even go so far as to brainwash. You know these kinds of things. This is not what it's about. It's about influencing. We want to do what we want to do biblically. What God calls us to do to influence. Uh, those around us, and we find these six key words in uh, in chapter seventeen, verses two through four, that really describe how Paul and Silas were reaching people who needed Jesus with the good news of how they could be saved. So let's read the verses, and I'm going to get into these six words. Okay, and, and so it says here. Uh, and by the way, if you have your Bible, be sure to to turn there and check it out. But it says, as was his custom. Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So the first word that I want us to look at is conversation. Um, this is the word that he uses when he says uh, that he reasoned with them from the scripture. Reasoning with somebody. It's the Greek word uh, dialogamai, where we get the word dialogue. And this shows how the method that Paul used when he went into the synagogue. Uh, he was teaching to correct the misunderstandings that people had of uh, who the Messiah is and, and what he would do, but it was not just a talk he was not just a talking head. He was giving people a chance to interact and to respond. He used questions and answers in the process, kind of a Q&A. And, um, and and you know some people say, well if you're doing that, if you're discussing and talking, that's not really teaching. But the idea is yes, you're being interactive, you're listening to what people are are how people are asking questions. And today this is especially important because we live in a day of interactive media. And as you're watching a video, if it's live, of course we're doing this right now, there's comments, people are interacting, asking questions. Uh, people are used to not just taking in information, they want to be a part of the process. They want to be involved in it. They want to relate to it in a personal way. And so we want to uh, we want to follow that in many of our conversations. It's a conversational style. And many times we get very worried about what we're going to say and uh, thinking get caught up in that. And really, we need to be more attentive about just listening, listening to what people are saying, where they're coming from. It means that we get to understand their perspective, and you know, if you if you don't know where somebody is, it, it's harder to lead them to where they need to be. And sometimes we need to listen more than we talk. Um, 
So we know that that God gives us those words along the way, and uh, it means getting getting our hands dirty and getting in there. And sometimes that's scary because people ask questions. You say, "What if I don't know the answer?" Well, that's okay. Say, "Hey, let's find out the answer together." Okay, you don't have to know all the answers. You just need to know the one who is the answer. Jesus is the answer, and there are answers. And so uh, we go and we talk about what we believe. We don't keep quiet. But then the second word is uh, the word explanation. This is the the Greek word uh, dianoigo that means opening, opening. So you're opening up so so it can be seen and understood, and you're presenting it in a compelling way that opens up the message so people can see it. Um, Such as in um, Luke 24, verse 32, when, um, when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, it says they asked each other, were not I, these, these um, disciples, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened, that's that word again, dianoigo, opened the scriptures to us, made it clear to us. And, uh, you know, that's so important that if you're saying something people and people aren't understanding, yeah, they may think, wow, you're really smart. You know all this stuff. That's not the point. The point is to help them know it. You might can teach, but can people learn? Can people understand? And um, he, he, what Jesus was explaining and what Paul was explaining is that Jesus had to suffer and die, and he rose from the dead. That's good. That's a good comment. Dialogue, logos, is from the word logos, uh, which uh, is the word. It means the word. So you're, you're opening up the word. And then the, the third word here that we see in, in these verses is the word confirmation. Confirmation is approving. It means proving. I'm talking proving, which is the word uh, paratithemi. And this is what we call apologetics, Christian apologetics. And you may hear this word, you know, there are Christian apologists what does that mean? We get confused when we first hear it because we think, well, this is some is this does this mean apologizing for being a Christian? Are we apologizing for God or for what you believe? That's not what it means. What apologetics is is to uh, think through the opposing arguments and the objections to Christianity, and you respond with a reasoned answer. There is an answer. And so there's faith and there's reason. Uh, faith is, yeah, we believe, you know, um, but there's a reason for our belief. And some people think, well, following Jesus is just a leap of a blind leap of faith in the dark. Well, it's not. It's not. Uh, following Jesus is simply a step into the light. It's a step of faith into the light that we have been given. And there's so much that is clear. That, that is, uh, that there's proof and there's evidence for. And so, uh, so there's a reason for our faith. You don't check your brains at the door, but you help people know the reasons that we believe. Um, and then the fourth word is the word proclamation. Uh, that's the Greek word katangelo, uh, which is uh, presenting uh, boldly a message about Jesus. And it's important that we have confidence. I like to call it Godfidence. You're proclaiming um, what we know to be true 
that that Jesus died, um, that he that he rose again, and um, and you do that in a way that is passionate, and uh, it has uh, truth. It is truth. So so you know if if we believe that Jesus rose again, then that's something to to uh, to proclaim confidently and loudly. I mean, that is the greatest event in all of human history right there. So we proclaim that. Then the, the fifth word is the word uh, persuasion, persuasion. And this really is, is about the response of someone who's hearing, that they're, uh, that they're persuaded to respond, that they want to respond. Uh, when we do all these first four uh, words that we've talked about, we're trying to convince and, and prove and proclaim. That's not just for argue, argument's sake or for discussion's sake, okay? We're not just wanting to hear our own words. Uh, it's not to win an argument because you can never argue somebody into the kingdom of God. You, uh, you lead them. You love them in. You lead them in. And you can win an argument, or you can win the battle, and and you can lose the war. You can lose the person uh, if you approach it in the in, in an arrogant kind of a way, or um, you know where where you're uh, you're just trying to to win. The purpose of the discussion is not just so that they will understand, but so that they will be drawn to Jesus, and their lives will be changed. And as you tell the story, you make it moving. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others to compel them, as Jesus said when he talks about, he tells the the story of the the banquet or the wedding feast. It's the banquet where he says, the banquet party, he says, go out and beat the bushes and compel them to come in. Um, he, he goes on in, in 2 Corinthians 5.11, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. Um, so when you're trying to persuade someone, you're trying to convert someone, or sometimes you'll hear the word proselytize, you know, to lead someone from wherever they're at, whatever belief system they have, into Christianity, you know, people will say, well, who are you to say, that you know the right answer, and 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 you know they'll even say that's arrogant, that that you are trying to persuade someone else. But no, it's not. It's the most loving thing that you can do. We have confidence that we are responsible to take the message of Jesus to the world around us, to the people around us, and we have to do everything it takes to share this message, in spite of the fact that not everybody's gonna. You know, applaud. Not everybody's going to respond. Okay, our responsibility is to to plant the seeds and to share the message. God's responsibility is to He works in people's hearts, and so we're going to do whatever it takes, and we're going to partner with God in this. And the sixth word is the word conversion, and this is uh, where He says they joined. They joined. If you look back at the passage, uh, they were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas. That is. Well, being welcomed in, being welcomed in to the family, their lives are changed. Uh, they were converted to Christianity, and uh, 
they became new creations. They were born again. Their, their minds had been changed. Their hearts had been changed. Their lives were changed. Now, when somebody joins and they step in and they, they receive Jesus, listen, that's not the finish line. That's just the start. That's the beginning of a life of discipleship and becoming more and more like Jesus. Or as we think about it, the three uh, states of salvation is, I have been saved. That's the moment that you are born again, that you trust in Jesus, and you're saved at that point, fully saved, completely saved. And then you are being saved. There's a process of discipleship and of sanctification, uh, becoming more and more like Jesus over the course of a lifetime that never ends until the day that you stand before Jesus. And on that day, that's when you will be saved. So it's, I'm saved, I'm being saved, and, and, and I will be saved. Okay, the whole process. So as with anything, as we share Jesus with the people around us, don't think that everybody's going to think this is great and there's going to be no issues and there's going to be no problems. There was opposition, as there always is. So let's look at verses 5 through 9 that goes on that says, But other Jews were jealous. Some, some responded, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out in the crowd. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting. And check this out. This is one of my favorite things in the Bible here. These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. Now uh, they are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying there's another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil, and then they made Jason and the others post bond. They let them go. Okay, it says they turned the world upside down, but really what they were doing was turning the world right side up. We live in a topsy-turvy, upside-down world. Up is down, down is up, but they were turning the world right side up, but it appeared to be upside down to those people who are living upside down lives. But I wonder, what if that were said about us today? Those people, those Christians, they are turning the world upside down. And uh, that needs to be said about us today. Um, there was an English uh, missionary, a preacher, who uh, used that text for one of his uh, sermons when he was in a new place. And he said, first, the world is wrong side up. Second, the world must be turned upside down. Third, we are the ones to set it right. Okay, that's what it's all about. That's the purpose of the good news of Jesus, to restore, to, uh, to, to change, to turn things toward God. And it's God's way of making things right. Now, it's interesting, this mob couldn't find Paul and Silas in the process. They were out someplace, probably winning more people to Jesus. And Paul had been staying at Jason's house, so they just went after Jason and some of the other believers. What was their charge? They said, uh, they were, this was an insurrection. This is their turn, they're, this is revolutionary. They're turning everything upside down. Well, that was true in one sense because the gospel does change lives. It changes our lives from lives of 
regret and sorrow and shame and sin and immorality to lives of seeking after God, of, of purpose, of forgiveness, of wholeness. But that's not what the accusers were saying. They were trying to say this was, you know, infringing on the government and threatening public peace and 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 infringing on rights and all of this this that that they're saying, which is still being said of us as Christians today. And um and so we've got to keep pressing forward in the face of the accusations, keep doing what we know is right, even though the world many times doesn't understand. They will make accusations and they will, you know, they will try to uh, try to cancel you. They will try to arrest you in some cases. We're going to keep standing, standing for what we know is true and doing what God has called us to do. There's always going to be opposition to the message. Um, but, but Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. He said in Matthew 10, 34, do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So many people, I hear uh, people all over and many Christians, they talk about Jesus and they're like, oh, it's peace and love, peace and love. And and it's just everything's happy and, and nice and, and uh, we're always going to be making nice. Jesus says, no, my message is going to be divisive as well. Okay, because of the sin in our world, people call good evil and evil good. And so we've got to be sure we're standing with him, standing for what is true, even though not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to applaud. And uh, so we can't allow the opposition to stop us from reaching out. We need to uh, reach out to people who still need Jesus and it's his love that compels us to go to see people as he sees them. And uh, he wants people to come into his family. So he wants to use us to do that. And we understand that apart from Jesus, there is no hope. And they, they have to be saved. And so, you know, really the persecution that these Christians were going through in, in, in some um, divine way brought them the most joy and the most peace in their life. And many of the churches that Paul planted at this time, they still exist today in that area in Macedonia. Uh, let, let's look at one other part of this. The, the, this last part of this is the Bereans and the example that they set. Because in verse 10, it says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Legends. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. And, and just to show how noble and honorable they were, they were receiving God's word. They were eager, they were hungry, and they studied it, and they checked it out. They didn't just take Paul's word for it, but they checked it against the scripture. And, and so, you know, it's interesting. 45% of Christians today uh, claim and say they read the Bible at least once a week. Less than half say they open the Bible and read it less than once a uh, around maybe once a week, okay? 12% of Christians 
say uh, they read the Bible once a month. 9% of Christians say a couple times a year. A third of Christians never read the Bible. They never open it up, okay? We, uh, we are people of the book. This book is our guide to life. It's our instruction manual. It's a love letter from God. And uh, it's interesting because uh, Billy Graham once was asked this question, if you had to live your life over again, what would you do differently? And his answer was, one of my greatest regrets is that I've not studied enough. I wish I'd studied more and preached less. People have pressured me into speaking to groups when I should have been studying and preparing. Um, He says, Donald Barnhouse said that if he knew the Lord was coming in three years, he would spend two of them studying and one preaching. And he said, I'm trying to make it up. I'm trying to make it up by spending more time in the Word of God. And so, listen, um, that that's where the power comes from. That's where our confidence comes from. And, and how you grow is by getting into the Word of God. And the result of this message was that many, many people believed. Many people trusted. Uh, in fact, it wasn't just one kind of person. It was a whole cross-section uh, of of culture that came to know Christ. There were people who responded from many different backgrounds. And, uh, you know, the gospel, it, it changes lives from, from every strata and every sphere of life. And we today need to be just as committed to this as Paul was, okay? Um, just imagine being so committed to sharing and to to reaching out that when uh, people reject the message, we just uh, move, we just move to the next. We just go to the next person. We keep sharing. And and, and so there's nothing that can or should keep us back from sharing this message. And let me tell you, there's so much joy. There's so much joy when God uh, uses your life to make a difference in someone else's life, you know, you know how you know you're mature in physically. You're mature uh, as a as as you grow physically when you can reproduce. Well, as a Christian, you are spiritually mature when you can reproduce. When you lead others to know Jesus, the Jesus that you know. It's so interesting. As a result, many prominent women and men uh, came to know Jesus. There were. Uh, all all sorts of people, and and it the gospel is for the down and outs, and it's for the up and the ends. Okay, so we need to look around. Never think that somebody is too far gone that they cannot come to know Jesus. Oh, they would never respond. That may be the one that God says, "I want to use you to make a difference in His life in her life today." So I want to encourage you and challenge you today to. Look around and think and, and, and think, where am I going? How can God use me? Who's around me who needs to know Jesus? And you can invite them to the Connection Church or to your church. You can, uh, you can pray for them. Be sure you're praying. You can share with them the story of what God's doing in your life. There's all kinds of ways that you can point them to know Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that today. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thanks.
Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. Oh,